Welcome to the Innovation Drivers Podcast, where Canada's top technology leaders discuss ideas, successes, and challenges that are creating a better future. Brought to you by the CIO Association of Canada, in partnership with the Business Leadership Podcast Series. Hey there, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Innovation Drivers Podcast. I am super excited to share this episode with you. It is a panel episode where Humps and I sit down with David Mason, Darktrace's Director of Enterprise Security, with over two decades of experience working in fast-moving security and intelligence environments, where he currently advises strategic customers all across North America. And also joining us is Martin Kyle, the CISO of Payments Canada, where he is responsible for implementing and maintaining key frameworks, including, among others, NIST, CSF, and the guidance on cyber resilience for FMIs. On this episode, we discuss and share how AI is innovating cybersecurity and changing the game for security. We learn more about the NIST frameworks and how AI works in cybersecurity, how do I identify, detect, and protect. We also take a dive into some of the biggest innovation challenges that is facing Canadian tech leaders today. It is a jam-packed full episode and I'm really excited to be sharing it with you today. So with that, let's get into the conversation now. Gentlemen, welcome to the Innovation Drivers Podcast. Really excited to have both of you join us. This is going to I've been I'm really excited about this topic. Um, personally, I'm just so into AI and cybersecurity on just on my personal engineering. And when I put my geek hat on, it's just so fascinating. So what I want to do maybe is just start off with something overall, just to get a good understanding. And for those listening who you are, but, and where you sit when it comes to innovation. So David, maybe I'll start with you and Martin, if you could follow. When we talk about innovation, David, what does innovation mean to you? Uh, innovation means to me um, not necessarily dealing with problems. It could be what any, any situation that you're actually looking at, but innovation to me means taking a fresh look at something, uh, coming up with an idea, uh, being able to communicate it properly and practically, and actually trying to do something about it. Um, bearing in mind there's lots of innovation around and only so much innovation ever actually survives at the end of the day. I'm sure we all remember Betamax videos. They really were better, right? But it didn't win out. Blu-ray really is better, but it hasn't won out, that kind of thing. But yeah, um, creativity, practicality, well-communicated, um, solution to an issue, uh, uh, taking something forward in the field. Uh, that's what innovation really means to me. But I always like to have a nice dollop of creativity somewhere there in the innovation as well. I love that. appreciate that. Martin, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, for me, uh, innovation is a process with uh, creative output. And... Um, you know, there's different ways to think about innovation. Over the years, uh, I was introduced once um, through a TED Talk and a, a former colleague 
at Autodesk, uh, Tom Wujek, who has a website called drawtoast.com. And he uses this metaphor of, of drawing toast um, as a way to generate uh, innovation um, or to, to guide innovation. And so groups can come together, they can draw things on paper without verbalizing them. Um, they can work collaboratively uh, and through a structured process, you actually get creative output. So innovation to me is a process. That's amazing. Um, I guess bringing it to the interest of innovation drivers and the podcast itself and being Canadian tech leaders, all of us around the room, I'm wondering if any of you two could start off by sharing what, I guess in Canada and when it comes to innovation, like what are, what are the biggest challenges you're seeing today uh, when it comes to, when it comes to innovation? Uh, what we've got to really, first of all, take into account is that the situation we're currently in, it's kind of different. It's not like the normal we were used to before and uh, hopefully won't be like the normal we'll be used to when the, the pandemic's actually gone. So one of the main, one of the biggest issues when you think about innovation right now is we're in a really kind of strange situation in Canada. Um, and also we've got to remember that we've got a minority government, which uh, will be, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a difficult time to be a minority government when it comes to bringing out laws and all the rest of it. And in the middle of a pandemic, there's that issue as well. But putting that aside... Uh, probably right now it will be the uncertainty and particularly when it comes to like really good innovation, new new products coming out because there's uncertainty, people tend to wait back, hold back. Let's wait a little wait longer, see what's going to happen here. And that can come from anything when it comes to applying people, budget or resource to uh, something that's innovative. Um, so probably a little bit of lag, there'll be a bit of lag right now, a little bit of hesitancy because of the fact we're in the pandemic. Yeah, there's certainly um, some, uh, some some delay, I think, in in unleashing uh, innovation in in certain areas of our um, economy. There is also an opportunity. Uh, the pandemic has certainly um, it it has allowed us to think about location independence as a as a factor. And you know, as technology leaders, we have had to deal with an expanding security perimeter. And these, um, these constraints that the pandemic has given us, while they delay uh, innovation in certain parts of our, our economy, they're actually accelerating innovation in other parts. So uh, I wanna jump in with the, with the question here as well, just based on what both of you said. You know, I think one of the, one of the elements of innovation uh, moving faster and, and having greater impact is cyber moving at pace with innovation. So if we're talking about business innovation or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever kind of innovation you're working on, cyber has to work hand in hand to make sure all of these digital assets that we're all creating, especially in a time of COVID where digital has been accelerated, uh, you know, um, a billion fold for the whole, for the whole world, everything's now digital. Um, is that cyber has to move with it. Otherwise you leave holes and you leave yourself uh, vulnerable to who knows what. So talk to us a little bit more about how, um, how Darktrace is actually bringing together AI and cybersecurity. And obviously NIST is a framework that a lot of organizations use as a standard. And, and talk to us about how that whole world comes together uh, around AI and cyber. It's a fascinating emerging 
uh, you know, area of innovation in the cyberspace. Uh, curious to hear both of your feedback on that. Hey, Martin, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, when it comes to innovation in cyber attack, um, last year, believe it or not, there wasn't that much innovation of what the bad guys were doing, but there was an awful lot more of it. We didn't see too many new types of attack. We saw pretty much lots and lots of the old kinds. Maybe some slight tweaks here and there. But what they did do, and where they were very innovative, was in taking advantage of what the pandemic had done. And at the same time, taking advantage of, yeah, for, for want of a better word, working from home. The suddenly diffuse, diverse, uh, we say dynamic workforce. And for that, was an opportunity for threat actors uh, to exploit. And, and by God, they've certainly uh, exploited that. You'll have all seen the huge uptake in ransomware. Ironically, believe it or not, in February last year, the FBI pointed out quite rightly that ransomware had dropped, it had gone down, and then it jumped on a Saturn V rocket and took off big time. And you certainly look forward to seeing more of that next year. For us, uh, the reason we uh, used AI, and uh, we've been doing it for over seven years now, and way back 2013, very, very innovative um, idea to use AI for um, cyber threat, innovative to the point of disruptive for us, it was quite obvious to us, even back then, and now even more so, and it's actually going to get a lot worse in the near future, is there's just too much, too much cyber threat in terms of quantity. There was just, it's so sophisticated and it just gets increasingly sophisticated. It's not going to get less sophisticated. And it moves at machine speed. And quite soon it will move at the pace of AI that quite simply human beings cannot keep up with this. They cannot do this. They cannot think as fast as a piece of malware can move. But AI can do that for human beings. AI can think that fast, can move that fast, can make a judgment that fast, can actually respond that fast in the same time. So we thought quite a few years ago now that this could be a really good solution to the sort of problems we face then and we face now. And in the future, when threat actors start using AI themselves, and they will do, okay, they will do. There's been hints of it for quite some time now. The only way you're going to be able to deal with that is to use AI, because otherwise humans beings, it's not a fair fight for them. So for us, we see AI as augmenting human beings. And before anybody comes out with any Skynet stories or whatever, it's not about replacing human beings. It's actually about supporting that scarce human resource. That's really what it's about. Yeah, Hamza, thanks for bringing up the, the NIST framework. It's, you know, it's quite an important um, <clears throat> set of uh, principles for us to to include in our business. At Payments Canada, we operate the national clearing and settlement systems and um, security is, is, a, is a first priority for us. And using a framework like NIST allows us to ensure we're, we're covering all of our bases. And I repeat it often and oft, uh, often uh, with everybody I, t I talk with, you know, identify your important things. Uh, protect those things. Uh, you know, look for anything suspicious. Uh, if if you need to deal with a problem, do it quickly and always have a backup plan. So this identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover um, framework is is very helpful, and and particularly for you know the business that we're in, and you know having AI um, contribute to to solving problems within each of these areas is, uh, is an efficiency gain for us. And it's also a, a risk uh, reduction play for us. So um, AI has been important, particularly in 
in how we view uh, our business and use in the use of the, the NIST framework, cybersecurity framework. And, and Martin, maybe follow on for you on uh, just, you know, within Payments Canada world, the influx of online transactions, digital payments, the Amazon effect of having to buy everything from, uh, you know, what you would normally buy on Amazon to other online providers that have come up, right, groceries and other things. And all of that's driven through digital payments. Can you share a little bit of insight for our listeners on like what's happened in that digital payment space? Is it, has it sort of like been moving along and... Um, cyber threats, all of that have been pretty much steady state. Have you seen an influx of, you know, attacks on e-com providers? Have you seen more um, phishing attempts from a consumer perspective? Like where is that industry now and what was the effect of COVID? Yeah, great question. So uh, I'll reiterate a little bit of what David said, uh, first of all, in that, you know, the, the number of attacks, the volume of attacks is, is not significant, hasn't significantly changed, but the lures or, or the um, the mechanisms to uh, engage victims has changed. Uh, obviously, COVID-themed lures are are quite significant, and even very recently, lures about uh, vaccine uh, information and vaccine news uh, have spiked. Um, the effect of COVID on Canadian payments is is interesting. You know, we um, we help settle more than uh, three or four hundred billion dollars each day for uh, the financial institutions in Canada. Um, and uh, however, th- those are wholesale um, transactions that are happening uh, on the retail side, where consumers are are spending or not spending. Uh, we have certainly seen uh, fluctuations uh, that parallel the various lockdowns around the country. We've also noticed, um, you know, I have one stat here, which might be interesting for, for folks. Um, our research team indicated a, a, a huge growth in the increase of contactless and other types of electronic payments. And of course, um, you know, 60% of Canadians have reported using less cash as a result of COVID. So that's shifting um, more payments into the digital sphere. I mean, we were there before, um, but that also means it's a, it's a bigger target for cyber, um, cyber threat actors. Um, I just wanted to jump in and I guess for those who are listening and maybe not so in tune to the cybersecurity and all these mechanisms when it comes to the security attacks, whether you're a tech leader or not, like I guess for myself managing my own business where I'm not even fully aware of what's happening, where would you direct either Martin or David, directs you know, a business leader like myself to even get privy to these type of awareness of what's happening and how it could actually or how I could even protect my business if it's a small, medium-sized business um, as well, because that's that's something that I'm even just listening to you too. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta protect, I gotta protect my business. Well, uh, yeah, you do. You do need to protect your business. You've actually got to do something about it. And there's lots of cyber product out there, and I, I say to everybody, whether they're using my companies or anybody else's, you've got to use these solutions. There's no point in just buying them, plugging them in, and then just leaving. You actually got to work with it. 
there, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a there's a whole host of stuff going on. And the first thing you want to calm down and take a deep breath about is you can't read it all, okay? You just can't do that. You can't keep up with everything. You've got to pick and choose. Uh, find uh, outlets that really summarize it quickly for you. Uh, there's a couple of podcasts I, I listen to. There's one by Howard Solomon. He's on every two days. It's like three days a week. And it's literally six to eight minutes and it's wham back and really gets you up to speed with stuff very, very quickly. He's a very good writer as well. Um, I'm originally from the UK, so you can probably tell by my accent. So I often have a look at the Register. It's another online uh, publication um, uh, that's pretty informative. And believe it or not, I'm just trolling through LinkedIn over the day. Do you know what? If there's something in cyber that's had an actual effect on business, um, you'll see it in there very, very quickly. And you will get a variety of opinions at the same time. So you don't end up getting up, uh, stuck with one particular siloed opinion. Um, but don't worry, everybody. You cannot keep up with all of it. You know, you just you just can't. So um, pick the stuff. It's going to summarize it quickly for you. There's also a collection of, um, you know, public sector resources available. We pay taxes and we might as well gain the benefit of some of those uh, taxes we pay. And the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity uh, produces material that can help the individual um, citizen, the, the, the business, um, and other aspects of Canadian society. Uh, there's, there are free services out there, including the Canadian Shield um, by the Canadian Internet Registration Authority, or CIRA, um, that allow people to uh, protect their internet traffic. Um, and podcasts, I agree, David, I, I have a a favorite podcast that I listen to quite regularly called Risky Biz oh, yeah. out of Australia. Yep, that's right. Yeah, um, yep, no, yep. Yeah, good security podcast. Um, and then, of course, you know, you can get a bunch of free resources. And then at, at some point, you may have to decide, particularly as a business, that you um, engage vendor partners and you go through a, uh, an evaluation of your your own requirements, and you try to match them up with uh, partners that will that will meet those requirements. There are a lot of resources. Uh, there are you know there are a lot of problems, and, and and similarly, there are a lot of resources to help. And it's just helping uh, Canadians and business leaders uh, connect with those resources. And and thank you for this this opportunity to help make that connection for them. Yeah, no, it's it's just something that, and not to overwhelm myself and the listeners out there, um, it's just I appreciate the share, and we'll definitely share those resources that you all mentioned on the, on the podcast notes. Um, but it's just it's it's alarming when you don't know what you don't know, and then you sit on a conversation with these thought leaders and like, oh wow, this is um maybe I need to know a little more about this stuff and and even think about who on my team needs to upskill themselves to that. And to that point, what I was going through my mind was, is cybersecurity like the next tech stack that young folks who are coming into the workforce need to know or need to be skilled at? Is Because this sounds to be like a a huge career coming down down the pipe as well, and maybe an opportunity for the younger tech um, individuals within our country. Like, I'd love to get your thoughts on on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll even I'll yourself, Hamza. Yeah, I'll take that one to start. C certainly, there's a skill gap in this area, and um, it's a fast moving area. It's very interesting. Um, you know, I've been in this uh, 
decades because it keeps my interest and I'm, I'm a person who, um, you know, I have a short attention span sometimes. So being able to keep my interest in a particular career is fascinating for me. Um, and this skill gap is real. It, you know, it, it can be difficult finding a skilled analyst. And that's actually one of the reasons that, um, or one of the benefits of, of our partnership with uh, Dark Trace is uh, they've invested a lot of money to, uh, to help the, uh, the young analysts uh, understand the complexity of a system very quickly and get to the point of making decisions. And uh, so the skill gap is th there. Uh, there's lots of opportunity for new people coming into the field, um, but there are also great tools that take advantage of artificial intelligence to bring a, a very complex set of uh, systems and events into um, a, a readable and usable and even actionable um, uh, report. Yeah, education's a, a big issue, not just for Canada, but for all Western liberal democracies when it comes to cyber. Um, the great news is Canada's been uh, at the forefront of some of it. Um, maybe you're aware of a thing called Cyber New Brunswick, out in New Brunswick there. They've been upskilling high, high school students in cyber as part of the curriculum for absolutely years. And, uh, you know, you get IBM and Palo Alto going there, snapping up high school students at 18 and taking them off straight off because they've got the skills already. Uh, but you're absolutely right. People are going to have to upskill to this because, um, to be perfectly honest with you, cyber security, the interconnected world in which we live in is exactly that. We live in it. We're inside it. And in the way that when you're young, you get taught how to cross the road safely, you, you're just going to have to develop these as, uh, as life skills. So education is quite an issue. Picking on Martin's point about the skills gap there, um, a lot of organizations want this individual with all these initials after their name with four years experience in something that's only actually been around for two years. And you're not going to find these people. You're not actually going to find these people. So for a lot of businesses, you really need to start considering about just taking on recruiting intelligent people and training them yourselves. And uh, with our, uh, with Dark Trace here, with uh, some of our product, we actually use the AI to upskill our analysts. Our analysts learn from the AI itself. And we don't necessarily go looking for those cyber people. We look for clever people and then train them ourselves because ultimately it, it is pretty much a life skill. But if you, even if you can find these people and bring them in, um, in the way I described cyber threat earlier, and I don't want to scare anybody, but in some ways you can't actually throw more people at this problem even if you can find them. Uh, you need education and then you need technology to help those who've been educated because w without one or the other, uh, you're pretty much going to be stuck. And Edwin, to your, to your question as well on, um, you know, how important and prevalent, you know, cyber is. I mean, I can just speak from my uh, day job perspective here as chief technology and digital officer for McBlue Sports and Entertainment. Um, in sports, cybersecurity over the last, I'd say, five years is stepped up in order of magnitude every every team has um you know people that are looking at cyber from a not only from a business perspective but from a athlete perspective and from a league perspective the leagues are all you know heavily invested in in cyber um to keep fans safe building safe uh, athletes and 
you know, the, the whole game and, and everything around it, um, say from a digital perspective. And, and as everything is now an order of magnitude more digital that, you know, that need continues, continues to grow. I, I wanted to get a little bit pragmatic here with the next question. Um, what are, what are some of, you know, respectively in both of your areas, what are some of the quick win opportunities? If you were to share a couple of quick wins that, you know, uh, folks that are listening to this podcast could take and, start thinking about, start executing, regardless of whether they work in a small company, a medium-sized company, or a massive company. What are some things that people can take away and start to think about as we, as we look at the, the world during COVID right now, but eventually post-COVID? Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to combine your question, Hamza, with a, a thread that um, David exposed. And, and that was on this, his comment of clever people. Um, you know, looking, you know, one way to close the skill gap is not specifically to always get somebody who's been trained up in, in cybersecurity, but to get somebody who's clever. And I think the key there underlying that notion is diversity. And um, diversity of thought, uh, backgrounds, etc. Diversity is a, is a facilitator for innovation. So I, I talked about innovation being a process before. But if, if that process only has a single uh, type of thinking or a single type of background, um, the output is not going to be um, very uh, creative or, or diverse. So, uh, you know, finding uh, clever people that have diverse backgrounds contributes to um, innovation. And I think uh, one of the quick wins is uh, ensuring that you have a diverse workforce and you have a diversity of thought and diversity of backgrounds. Uh, that's certainly uh, true in cybersecurity because uh, your adversaries are going to be diverse. They're going to be all over the world. Uh, they're going to have backgrounds that you don't even know about. And if, if you don't have the ability to think outside of the box, um, that's going to be uh, a problem for you. So I would say, one of the quick wins that people can um, get to in cybersecurity is find clever people with diverse backgrounds. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with you there, Martin. Um, and then, and then the technology you have allow them to learn from it because that's almost the best way they'll, they'll do this thing. It's just actually working with cybersecurity products and learn it themselves. Um, it's amazing. We have a we have something. Uh, we have a type of AI that actually investigates a threat. It does the triage, the investigation, the analysis, and it does it automatically, very, 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 very quickly. Uh, but we find that our cyber analysts now learn from how the AI investigated something. Um, ironically, given the fact that the AI originally learned how to investigate because the training data set was our analysts. Our analysts were used to train the AI, but now the analysts are learning from the AI. Um, an example of, uh, again, what I say, you need clever people and then you need some technology. You get the two of those together, um, you'd be going a long way to solving some of your problems, that's for sure. I just wanted to, it, what I was just thinking as the quick wins when it comes to diversity, hiring clever people, does that challenge the way us as tech leaders or business leaders look at recruiting, hiring, and onboarding people because the traditional way is always to, like um, like you said, was look for someone with four years of cybersecurity, but it was only, only two years cybersecurity. Should we just change the way we recruit? And sometimes it's out of our hands as the business leaders or the tech leaders because we're just shown a portfolio of 
people and maybe they're just hitting the check marks, right? Is this maybe a also a shift in the way we bring people in? Yeah, you know, I, I can't say our organi- uh, you know, I can't say I have all the answers, but I can tell you what's happening in our organization. We try to ensure that our recruitment pools um, reflect diversity. And then <clears throat> once the recruitment pool has um, the diversity that uh, has essentially got past that uh, initial application stage, um, from that diverse pool, we can then apply those criteria that we're looking for. Um, and I have never been, uh, I have never been so focused on a particular background that it's it's a binary yes or no. I try to evaluate candidates uh, through um, tests, not only uh, closed answer type tests that have a specific that where you're looking for a specific result, but open-ended uh, questions and uh, critical thought and analysis to uncover that cleverness factor, if you will. Um, and, and so that you know that's how we combine uh, you know trying to trying to achieve diversity of thought and background with, um, with the cleverness uh, that David had spoke, spoken of. Uh, yeah, uh, when I set Dark Trace up here in Canada uh, five years ago, uh, and I went, I did the recruiting. I, I was recruiting pretty much everybody. Um, um, and we were recruiting arts graduates, okay, arts graduates, which are kind of like, they're a bit difficult to find in Canada compared to places like Britain. Everybody seems to do business here all the time. Anyway, arts graduates. But when I was actually interviewing, the first thing I actually checked, believe it or not, was that they could read and write and could talk and communicate properly. <laughs> Pretty basic, you might think, but you just want to check on stuff like that. And, and that's what we looked for. And, I, and if that was okay, everything afterwards was, was a plus. And uh, I will share something with you. I know quite a few security companies, cybersecurity companies, um, for their analysts, have a lot of success in recruiting musicians. And the obvious one is if you're a musician, you understand pattern, right? Because you're used to pat- patterns and making up your own patterns on musical instruments and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, musicians with absolutely no tech background whatsoever. I love that. This that, that's uh, appreciate the insight and thoughts. It's, it's always great to hear a specific example on the show that people who are listening like man i never i never thought of that um thinking about music and i know in the sales organizations i've been always told that successful sales organizations are grown by recruiting someone who is in sports or amateur sports because they're so you know, a type and really aggressive and and very competitive, right? So that's really cool. I mean, I'm just having an amazing conversation. I think we could go on for for days. Well, I can. I could ask questions about cybersecurity all all day. But uh, I definitely want to get through a couple of. I have some fun rapid fire questions that it, that we like to ask here and there uh, on the show as well. Um, just to get more insight for those listening and provide some value in where we need to go when it comes to elevating Canada, elevating tech tech leaders within our country. So I'll start off with the first one to you, Martin. Um, you know, what advice or specifically call to actions that you could share with the tech leaders that are, that are listening today? Well, aside from the obvious <clears throat> security ones, which is identify your important stuff, you know, uh, protect it, look for anything suspicious, respond quickly, and always have a backup plan, because I always like to say that. 
aside from that, um, there, there are definitely some, some things that uh, we should be doing. Uh, we've, talked, we've talked about looking for clever and diverse people. Uh, so that's definitely one of them. Uh, we've talked about innovation uh, being a process. And uh, one of the challenges to that is, is failing to, to teach people the process, well, learning it yourself and, and simply failing to teach them how to go through an innovation process. Failing to push people outside of their comfort zone or to think outside of the box and, or perpetuating this uh, culture that accepts avoidance of accountability. If you're always trying to avoid uh, accountability or responsibility, it's going to be hard to innovate uh, over hurdles that come in, in your way or innovate around a problem. Um, so to get to that innovation mindset, we, we need to do uh, you know, deal with some of these challenges. Um, there's also a structural challenge that I find <clears throat> with many policy frameworks, and particularly in security. Um, and that challenge, uh, that structural problem is the policy frameworks often focus on downstream security issues or security problems. Uh, so the person or the company that buys uh, a security or buys a product. Uh, puts it on the web, and then uh, it gets hacked. And the company who bought the product deals with all the damage, all the bad press, the reputation, everything. What about the upstream manufacturers of these products? So our, our policy frameworks have a bias towards those who uh, purchase and consume uh, products with security problems and then deploy them. But we should also be have, have a focus on those manufacturers that are producing uh, products with security flaws initially. Um, so I think that's also a, something that we, we can look at. David, question for you. Um, we try to get as much insight behind the scenes information here from our, from our guests and panelists. Um, can you share uh, anything on, on your side of an exciting new project that you're working on, your team's working on, your organization's working on, or a concept uh, that, that's new and exciting? Uh, we've just released a version five of our products. So there's a, a huge ton of innovation and, uh, and uh, development in there. Um, yeah, so I was on a chat about this uh, with our people back in Cambridge um, uh, just the other day. So we use AI uh, to find threat. We use AI to investigate threat and we use AI to stop threat. That whole uh, identify, protect, detect, respond piece in the NIST framework. And thanks to AI, we do it in a couple of seconds. Uh, so stand by everybody, looking down the pipe uh, at what's coming from Dark Trace. We're now looking at using AI to actually discover vulnerabilities in an organization's digital infrastructure right at the very beginning. So there you go. Remember where you heard it first. Amazing. David, Martin, it's been amazing. This conversation has been great. Can I get each of you to share where we could find information about the organization, about yourself, or anything else you'd love to share with the, with the business leaders who are listening today? Sure. Um, of course, you can find um, anything about Payments Canada at our website, payments.ca. Um, <clears throat> you can learn about a massive uh, modernization program going on in the country right now um, at that site. And we also have a virtual conference uh, in May, uh, May 31st to June 4th. And you can find more information about that at thesummit.ca. 
Uh, yeah, guys, uh, for Dark Trace, go to wibblywobblywobblydarktrace.com. All one word, darktrace.com. There's a host of stuff there. Um, I'd really encourage uh, um, your listeners to go and look at some of our blogs. We've got some really, really interesting uh, blog stuff on there. Um, and a final point for uh, what's coming down the pipe. Um, in terms of security, visibility, folks, whatever you do, whoever you're using, whatever technology you're using, you've got to make sure you've got some visibility on your digital infrastructure. Because if you can't see what you've got, where it is and what it's doing, you're not going to win. And following up something that Martin said earlier on, when things do go wrong, and you have that plan B, it's probably plan C, D, and E that you're actually going to affect. But for God's sake, have a plan and be ready to disclose as soon as you can. Because if you don't, somebody else will be doing that disclosure and it won't be on your terms. I love it. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time to join us on the Innovation Drivers Podcast. Welcome. Cheers, guys. Thank you, guys. And that's it, folks. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Innovation Drivers Podcast. Hamza and I sat down with David Mason and Martin Carl. It was it was such an amazing conversation. It was really interesting for me to hear about the growth of cybertechs through the pandemic and learning more about the NIST framework and how it allows us to ensure that we are covering all our bases. And really putting into context the amount of work that us as tech leaders need to think about as we navig- navigate into the future. For more information about David Mason, Martin Kyle, Dark Trace, Payments Canada, please visit the show notes. For more information about the CI Association of Canada, please go to ciocan.ca. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on your favorite podcast player. And until next time, do your best.